know that by you being in the midst of us, there's healing here, there's deliverance here, there's peace here, there's joy here, there's love here. God, everything we need is right here, right now. And God, we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you, God, that as I begin to teach your people, God, as I open my mouth, you have already filled it. I thank you for giving me the tongue of the learned that I may speak a word in season to those that are weary. God, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And God, as the word go forth on today, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you. I thank you that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart is being enlightened today, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of your inheritance, of your glory. So we just thank you and we praise you, God, on this day that you have made, God. You shall get all glory, you shall get all honor, and you shall get all praise in this house. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn with me again. To 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to start at verse 13 and I'm going to end at verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, ending at verse 18. Hallelujah. We thank God for his word because this is his word. Hallelujah. And his word brings life. And we want to receive the life of God from his word on today. Hallelujah. The word of God now reads, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. But unto him who died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we no man. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I want to talk again on embracing your true identity. We went over this last Sunday and I believe that when we can embrace, when we embrace something or someone, that means that we hold on to them, to them we acknowledge them, we wrap our arms around them. So I want everybody to wrap their arms around the word on today. I want you to embrace it. I want you to hold fast to it. And as you do this, you will know your true identity. You will know who you are. Identity is who you are. And we talked about ways that people can identify people. It is through a thumbprint. Because you know when you have a thumbprint, they can tell um, about you through your thumbprint. Whatever you done, how you done it, where you done it, whatever. They can tell by your DNA. And I talked about um, identity theft and how people can steal your identity and how they can, you know, rob you of everything that you have through identity theft. And I went over in Genesis chapter 3 
how the enemy came in to steal, kill, and destroy. What did he do? He took their identity. They were identified with Christ. They were made and created in the image of God. They were created after his image and after his likeness. They had his characteristics. Everything about them identified to God. So the enemy came in to take away what God had given them. What did he want? He wanted authority. He wanted the right to rule and reign. And God had given that to man over the earth. He said the heavens and the heavens are the Lord in Psalms 115. But the earth he has given to the children of men. I want you to keep that within your heart, not just in your head. But that need to get into your heart knowing that God gave us authority. He gave us the right to rule and reign over this earth. Some of us are still crying out for God to help us. And God said, I already given you everything where you can help yourself. The problem is we're dependent on man when we should be dependent on God. The Bible says God is not man that he should lie. He told you, I am not man. So we need to quit putting God in the category with man. How do we put God in the category with man? Because we look to man as if man is our God. He said, God is not man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he shall repent. Repent means God don't change his mind. Whatever God has written is written and it cannot be voided because it is written and it is so. That's why when we say amen, it means it is so. That means it's not going to change. It's not going to change based on you. He said, have I not said it? Shall I not do it? Have I not spoken it? Shall I not make it good? I want to stay right there. He said, have I not said it? Who said it? God said it. Man didn't say it. God said it. He said, have I not said it? And shall I not do it? Have I not spoken it? And shall I not make it good? God has given us a promise. So no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how bad it look, no matter what people say about us, when man say no, God said all of my promises in Christ Jesus is yes. And in him, it is a man. It ain't based on man. God said it's based on me. And he said, my word will not come back to me void or empty, but it shall go out and accomplish that which I please. And it said it shall what? It's going to bring forth. It's going to bring forth. It's going to perform. It's going to prosper. So we got to understand every day we have to remind ourselves, God, you're not man. God know that man will lie. It's not the intentions to lie. But he know when man tell you something, they will change their mind. They will change their mind based on how you act towards them. Come on, somebody. They will change their mind based on how what you do for them, they'll do for you. If you don't do for me, I'm not going to do for you. But God did not base it upon our performance. He didn't base it upon what we do or what we um, want to do or could do or would do. God based it upon him because God is not man that he should. Come on, you got to get that in you. It was never based upon us. So when we understand this, God wants us to go on the identity we have in him. Now we talked about how the enemy came in in Genesis 3 and he stole their identity. How did he do it? He stole it by deception. 
He made them think that they did not have everything they needed. How many of us have allowed the enemy to come in and steal from us because we feel as if we don't have enough? Come on, somebody. We feel like we're not content with what we have. We got to have more because we see what somebody else have and we figure this is what I need. But God has already blessed us. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So my blessings ain't based on you. It's based on what Jesus have already provided for me. So I can't look at my blessings based on my brother got it. So I got to get it. No, I got it before my brother had it. Because if he ain't in Christ. The way I'm in Christ. It don't matter what he, she or nobody have. I am content because I'm in him. And I have eternal life. So we got to understand that when Satan came in, he deceived them. He said, did God really say? How many of us just this morning woke up being deceived by Satan? Saying, have God really say, say, have God really said you're healed? Have God really said that your bills are going to be paid? Have God really said that your children are going to be saved? Have God really said that you're going to live and not die? Have God really said this? And he keep pouncing on you with those things. And how he get us is when the TV pop on. When we're standing on by his stripes, I was already healed. Remember you woke up and the enemy is saying, did God really say you're healed? And then you, the TV come on and the first thing that come on, it says, if you got these symptoms, this is what you need to do. So the enemy is trying to steal through the television. Come on. I know some of y'all been through this. If you got this, you better uh, contact us. This could lead to this. So the enemy is trying to steal the word of God from you through television. He's trying to steal the word of God through the airwaves, anything in the airwaves, the radio, the television, even people mouths. You cannot share with people that don't know their true identity, what's going on in your life, because they will steal from you what God has already provided. You cannot share with folk. And sometimes even your loved ones can be your worst enemy. Because they think they know, they think they have all the knowledge. I don't care if they have a PhD, a DDD, a HPD, I don't care what it is. I don't care how long they've been to school, I don't care how much knowledge they have. Worldly knowledge is nothing. It's puffed up. It's not compared to God. I don't care what scientists say what they say. They did not create. Elohim did. We lose our identity even though we still have it by what we hear. By our five senses. The more you hear what man say, you looking at God as not being God. Whomever you spend more time with, that's who your God is. That's your God. The more time you spend watching the YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know all of them, Twitter, Twitter, whatever you call it, 
Whatever you spend most of your time with is what you become. Because the Bible says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so does he become. The thing that you think about the most is what your body is gravitating to. Your body only reacts based on what you think. Your body reacts on your emotions, your mental state, your will, and your mind. If somebody gives you good news, your body is just as happy as it could be. What does the scripture say? A merry heart is good like medicine. But what dries up the bones? What does it? Bad news. A merry heart. We get a merry heart through the word of God. But when we hear bad news, guess what? It's just like cancer eating up our body. Because we go on the bad news instead of going on the good news concerning the kingdom which Jesus brought to us. So the more we enter the word of God, the more the word get into us, our bodies are receiving the life from the word of God. Remember in Ezekiel 37, when God was talking to Ezekiel, he had to take him in the spirit. He had to be in the spirit to receive what God had to say unto him. He asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? He was talking about Israel, but he used the illustration to let him know this is what I need for you to do, Ezekiel. God said, I want you to speak over these dry bones. See, our problem is we waiting on God to do something and God is telling us already done it. I only need for you to use my word and speak forth what you need to have done on earth. So we see Satan came in, he stole the identity, sin came upon the earth. There was a stolen identity. So we have a lot of people in here that's allowing the enemy to steal from us, to steal what we already have in Christ Jesus. But when you realize what you have, the thief can't come steal no more. Because you know what you have. This is why we have these alarm systems. Say, I fix you even when I'm not home. Come in my house. The alarm is going to go off. The popo is going to be there to arrest you. So see, we, we have things in the natural to take care of what happens in the natural. But the super is above the natural. And that's what you got to understand. You are a supernatural being. You are a spiritual being. And this is why you have to embrace your true identity. If you do not embrace your true identity, the enemy is going to keep stealing from you what rightfully belong to you. You have some benefits. And you need to know what your benefits are. How many of us, when we go to the doctor's office, you check your insurance cards. You know what you got to pay before you get there. You already know your copay. You already know if you have surgery, what's going to be left over on your behalf. You already figured this out, right? Why is it when it comes to the word of God, when we have everything and the price have been paid in full and we owe no man nothing, we won't go to the word, we go to other resources. So this is what Paul was saying. When we get to embrace our true identity, Paul was telling them, and I'm going to read this out, the New Living Version, the first um, 13. Are we insane to say such things about ourselves? What Paul was talking about was people thought he was crazy. He thought they were crazy because the things that they were doing was out of the norm. 
It's not what natural people would do, but Paul recognized I'm not a natural person. I may be in this body and you may see my body. He said, but I'm going on spiritual. I'm not going on natural. So you looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm telling you I am protected. Even in the midst of COVID, I am protected. You think I'm crazy because I said that I am protected. That this shall not come now my dwelling. You say I am crazy. You can call me and sing all you want to because I'm going on who I am in Christ. I'm not going on what the world has to say. So they were calling Paul and them insane because of the things that they were doing for Christ. They were calling him insane because Paul said he re- he, he fought with the beasts in Ephesus. In Ephesus. What he meant was it was people and they were like beasts. He fought with them. He went through with them because he was preaching Christ. He was preaching the kingdom. So they say, how can you go through all of this? And then he was left stoned to death. He was left for dead. But Paul got up and went into another town and preached. They left him for dead, y'all. So they're saying, you're crazy. But Paul knew who he was in Christ. So this is why they were calling him crazy. This is why they were calling him insane. He said, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but let me tell you why I'm the way I am. The next verse said, because the love of God compels me. See, the problem is some of us want to go out and witness. We want to be a witness for Christ. But if you don't know about his love, you're not witnessing nothing. If you don't know how much he loved you first and foremost, you cannot share that love with nobody else. Love died to self. Love don't go out looking at how people going to perceive me. Love don't go out and look at, they may talk about me. They may ridicule me. They may think I'm crazy. Love don't do that. Love dies for another. So until you know truly the love of Christ, you don't need to be ministering to nobody. Because if you don't know his love and how much he loved you, how can you give that love to someone else? When you feel like I need love. Some of us are so rejected in life that we allow rejection to come out instead of God's love. Why? Because we want somebody to see me, hear me, be attached to me. So when we minister to people and people don't want to hear us no more, we feel so rejected. We tell them, die and go to hell then. See, Paul was so crazy. He said, even if you kill me, I'm still compelled. I'm still compelled to hold on to what I believe. That's why Paul didn't mind dying. He didn't mind dying for the gospel. Why? Because he said, either way, I'm going to be with him. So we got to get to the point that we know his love so much. He said, his love constraineth me. His love compels me. His love helped me to hold fast, to minister this ministry of reconciliation because of his love. I do what I do. It's not because of me, but it's because I found out how much he loved me and I can love you with that love. So see, we have to know the love of Christ in order to minister to others because people hurt your feelings. But it ain't about your feelings. It's about being who you are now that you're in Christ. That's what Paul was saying here. He said, God's love compels me. This is what helps me to hold on 
to this ministry of reconciliation. So before you go out and try to minister salvation, you need to ask yourself, do I know how much God loves me? Do I know his love enough that when people come out against me, I can still minister his love to others? Come on, we can stop right there. Because when people hurt you, you don't want to have nothing else to do with them. You don't want to say nothing else to them. You don't even want to look in their face. That's not the love of God. The love of God compels you. It keeps you in the fire when you want to come out of the fight. It keeps you in a place that you know you don't want to be, but you know it's God's love that you're holding on to. And you know him because he died for you. See, this is what we got to understand. Knowing God's love, the Bible say nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing separated us from the love of God. Because the Bible said, for God so love the world. Do y'all realize what was going on back then according to the word and what's going on now? It said, for God so loved the world. The world was tore up. The world was so full of sin, they didn't even recognize sin because they have connected to sin so much, it was normal. Just like now in society, people have connected with sin so much that it's normal to them. It's a way of living. But God knew that sin separated us from him. So God could not find a man. He couldn't find anyone that could meet his standards to die on our behalf. So God said, I'm going to step off of my throne. And I'm going to become a human. And I'm going to die for the sins of the whole world. He laid down his life for a world that was not worth it. But it was because of his love he done that. Come on, let's talk about love. Are you willing to die for someone else besides your family? Are you willing to kill your flesh for someone else to live? To gain what you have gained through Christ? Have we really thought about that? Are you praying for other people besides your family? It's more than just your family. The world is dying and don't even know it. They're in the need of a savior and God made a way through his son. But he need people to tell people about God's love. So he said nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, nothing, fornication, adultery, murder, all kind of sins could not separate us from his love. He said I'm going to die for it all. The Bible said, even while we were yet sinners in Romans chapter 5, he died for us. Even while we were in our sin, he died for us. He proved his love. He he proved it, y'all. He proved it, y'all. While we were still messed up, tore up from the flow up, God still died for us. He didn't wait on us to get it right. He said, because I know you can't get it right, so I'm going to die on your behalf. That's love. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you waiting on a family member to get it right before you love them? Are you waiting on a husband or wife to get it right before you love them? You're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost self. 
Then you ain't in the love of God if you waiting on them to change before you cook, clean, wash your car, mow the lawn, and you supposed to be saved. No, 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 no. That's not God's love. God's love will lay down his life. That means I don't wait on you to fill my car up. I don't wait on you to do what I know you should do to love you. I'm going to love you with the love of God regardless if you don't do it because that's what his love does. Let's just say that again. Some of our homes are in a mess because we don't know God's love. When you know his love, you don't wait on somebody to get it right. He didn't wait on us. So when you know his love, you can love them with God's love. And when they see the love of God, they want what you got. But if you keep acting a fool in your house, I ain't cooking for you, I ain't cleaning for you, I ain't sleeping with you no more, I ain't doing this no more until you quit drinking, until you quit smoking, just go ahead and don't do it then. Because if all of that is dependent on what they do, you're going to keep doing what you do. I'm going somewhere, y'all. Then he said, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God. But then he went deeper in Romans, the eighth chapter. That was verse 35. But in 37, he said that we are more than conquerors. Let's read that. I want to explain this. In 8, it says, Romans 8, 37, it says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that love us. Y'all know a conqueror is someone that has won the victory, has gotten the spoils, but they had to fight to get it. Catch it. A conqueror is someone that has won the victory. They have collected the spoils, but they had to fight to get it. More than conquerors is a person, is us, where Jesus fought the battle. He won the victory. He bought back all the spoils. And only thing we have to do is receive what he fought for. We don't have to fight. The only thing we fight is a good fight of faith. So when you say you more than a conqueror, quit trying to conquer something that's already been conquered. Let me say it again. When you say you more than a conqueror, you got to know that Jesus already conquered death, hell, and the grave. He bought back the spoils and said, here it is for you. Only thing you got to do is to receive everything that I've already conquered. We're coming from a victory. We're not going to it. So that means when I say I'm more than a conqueror, I don't have to do nothing but receive what he has given. Oh my goodness, y'all better grab it. So don't use that verse if you don't know what it means. More than a conqueror, don't work double time, overtime. More than a conqueror says, he has supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I don't have to work overtime, double time. I don't have to get two, three jobs. Because it's right here now. I can work the McDonald's and drive what God wants me to drive. More than a conqueror. That's when the FBI check you out. Y'all didn't know? More than conquerors don't have to do all that work. Because they already have what God has given them. More than a conqueror, 
walk by faith and not by sight. Y'all, don't say that no more. Don't say that no more when you're trying to get some spoils. Don't say that no more when you're trying to get more money. As my cousin said, I need some money. Don't say that no more. Don't use that scripture no more if you don't know what it means. Now you know what it means. So think about what you say it before you say it. If you more than a conqueror, drop what's in your hand and pick up what already belongs to you. Oh, we're talking about the love of God. See, the love of God don't just think about you and think about others. The love of God says, I only have $10, but both of us can still eat. The love of God say, I only have enough gas to make it to work, but I can still take you where you need to go. That's the love of God because you're more than a conqueror. Because you have everything you need in him. More than a conqueror don't have to tell people what you've done to get what you got. I don't hear nothing. I don't hear nothing. It's too quiet now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to get deep in this. We're going to break down these verses to let the Christian folks know who are you serving? Who are you? So then Paul goes on to say, are we insane to say such things about ourselves? If so, it is to bring glory to God. Do you hear this? Paul wasn't thinking about himself. Everything that he was doing, he wanted to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Isn't that something? Whatever we do, it is certainly not for our own profit, but because Christ's love controls us now, since we believe that Christ died for all of us, we should also believe that we have died to the old life we used to live. So Paul believed in how he died for all. You have to know that he didn't only die for you. He died for all, even the worst people in the world. He died for Adolf Hitler. Y'all know how bad he was. He died for the man that was that, that serial rapist that cut women to pieces. He died for all serial killers. He died for everybody. He laid down his life. He didn't just pick and choose whom he was going to die for. Paul said he died for us all. But guess what? When he died... All of us died with him even before we accepted his death. He took us to the grave with him. Beforehand. Before you knew anything about Jesus and what he'd done, he took all sin to the grave. He took us, our sins, to the grave with him. Then Paul goes on to say, and I like this verse. He died, he died for all, so 15, so that who live, having received eternal life from him, might live no longer for themselves to please themselves, but to spend their lives pleasing Christ who died and rose again for them. So our lives are not based on us no more. Our lives are based on what he done on our behalf. That's why he's in us the hope of glory. So when God, God don't see us, he see his son. So when you go to God, quit talking about you. It ain't about you. It's about what his son done for you. That's why every knee bow at the name of Jesus and not at the name of Amanda. 
So we have to understand that we're in Christ now. Our lives are hidden in Christ. So we base our identity on him and not on us alone. So we, when we go, we don't look at us. We look at what he has done for us. And the Lord showed me this when I was meditating on this last night. It's so funny. I said, okay, God, break this down. Help, help me to make this real for your people. Help them to see what need to be seen. And, and help me, God, bring all this to my remembrance. Help me to see what you want me to see. So as I was sitting there meditating on this and how he died for us, and being that he died for us, I don't look at me, I look to him. Because he's the author and finisher of my faith. He died for everything that I would ever do, past, present, and future sins. He died for it all. He know all about me. He took it to the grave, right? So I'm sitting there and my daughter saying, she said, do you want an apple? I said, yeah, cut me up an apple. So it was two apples left. And she bought me the app. She bought the apple to me. And she said, mama, she said, this apple right here, you look at it, it's kind of soft and it don't look good on the outside. I said, I'll take that one. She said, okay. So she took the good apple. So she gave me the apple and I'm sitting there eating the apple. She, she came back in the office and she said, mama, look at this other apple. The good apple that she took when she cut it open was rotten. This is what God said. He said, I took the bad. He said, I laid down my life for the bad. And when I laid down my life and you accepted me, the inside of you was made perfect. I said, come here, Ariel. I said, you remember this apple that you didn't want to take? I took it because you didn't want to take it. So guess what I did? After I took the apple and she found that her apple wasn't good, I said, here, take this one. You see what God did? He gave up himself. Because he loved us so much. And because I love my daughter so much, I said, take this one. What am I saying? God look at us from the inside out. We look at from the outside in. A person may act so nice on the outside, but the inside, they're just like a raving wolf. And some of us don't see it because we're going on the outer appearance. Do you remember when God sent Samuel to David's father's house? Samuel was looking at the outer appearance of Elab because he looked like he was a warrior. He looked like he was one of God's anointed. But God said, you don't look at the outer. He said, I don't look at the outer. I look at the heart. So we know no, and I'm getting to this verse. This verse that says, we know no man by the flesh. We don't identify when people become born again. We don't identify them by the flesh. We identify them by who they are in Christ. It don't matter what they do or what they say. Our identity should be in Christ. But after a while, that person, once they know who they are and they spend time with Christ, they won't be cutting the food. So we identify by who we are in Christ. He said, no, no man by the flesh. If you keep looking at people in the flesh, they look like they ain't saved. Because their flesh is cutting up. But when you begin to see in the eyes of the spirit, and see, this is why God is taking me so far in ministry. 
Because when people want to throw other people away because of what they've done, God allowed me to meet them where they're at according to the heart. He allowed me to see the heart of the person. I can't go on the outward appearance because you're trying to show off because you reject it because you don't have love. I'm going to give you the love of Christ. Even if you treat me wrong, I'm going to treat you the way you need to be treated. But no, some of us hadn't got past that because we don't know his love. If you don't treat me right, I ain't treating you right. So I'm just going to cut off all tithes from, I'm not even going to pay my tithes because somebody done me wrong. Woo! I'm going to give you a little bit, but I ain't going to give you a lot. You ain't hurting the church, you hurting yourself. Because the church represent him. This is why when Paul had that um, Damascus experience. Y'all remember Paul, he's, he was Saul. He was on the road to Damascus because he wanted to persecute the church. He wanted to put them in lockdown because what they were saying and what they were doing was not the way he was taught. It was not the tradition, the way they done things. So we're going to lock them up. We're going to keep their mouth shut. But the day that he met Jesus on that road to Damascus and a light shone down from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute thou me? What was Jesus saying? If you persecuting the church, you're persecuting me. If you're talking about them, you're talking about me. Come on, y'all better think about when you hurting your brother and sister, you're hurting Christ. Yeah. So this is what he did. He began to say, Lord. What would you have me to do? He humbled himself. He accepted him as being his Lord and his master. And look how God used Paul. Look how God used him dealing with the law and grace. And he wrote most of the New Testament. He wasn't even with Jesus. This is why he said, y'all used to know him by the flesh. Because they walked with him in the flesh as a mere man. But he said, know him no more by the flesh. What was he saying? We should not know one another by flesh. How should we know one another? By the word and the spirit. Because the more we get into the word of God, the more we can remind people who they are now that they're in Christ. That's not who you are. This is who the word of God says you are. So we can't even know Jesus by the flesh no more. We have to know him by the word and the spirit. That's why we have the Bible written unto us. So we can know who we are now that we're in Christ. We know not even ourselves by the flesh. Y'all know God knew this. None of us. And I'm going here because I want to break it down some more. Let me tell you about this thumbprint. Remember when you go to, what is it, the jailhouse, wherever you have to give them that thumb. And that identify everything, don't it? That thumbprint. So if you go steal something, they dust it off. Let's see what thumbprint that belonged to. It's in that database. And you cannot say it's somebody else. Some thieves get so smart, they'll get somebody else thumbprint and do what they got. Y'all, yeah, there's some smart thieves out there. But anyway, so they check. Everything with that thumbprint. But guess what? Now that you're in Christ, the thumbprint that you have, what it says is, I am accepted in the beloved. I am righteous. I am healed. I am delivered. Everything that thumbprint represent represents the Father. 
So you're supposed to go on the spiritual part of you, not the natural part of you. God don't see that part no more. He sees his son, Jesus, who you are in him. So quit looking at people based on natural. Born again people, you need to look at them based on spiritual. Even though they're cutting up and tore up from the flow up, you have to remind them. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, you are in Christ. You are a new creation. You are a new species of being. Old things have passed away. Now we're going to talk about those old things. That old things is that old man. That old man that would control you. That would compel you to sin. Let's talk about that. Go with me to Romans the 7th chapter. God wants all of us to go on our new identity. This is a teaching because if you don't get the first part of this, you're not going to be able to receive healing, deliverance, everything that God has provided for you because you're trying to do it within yourself. This is Paul talking in Romans the 7th chapter. Listen at this. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law have dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband. So as long as he liveth. That's why I need to tell you people something. Don't just go get married just to have a beautiful wedding and have a toe-up mate. I just got to say it. Some people want a beautiful wedding to say, look at me. Look how beautiful I am. Look at my hubby. Look at my wife. Ooh, we beautiful. You bound to that man and that woman. This is who you said for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to death, to death. Do us part, whether you or him kill each other, to death. Do you part, because that's who you chose to be with. Because it ain't all good all the time, people, in a marriage. Don't let nobody lie to you. People get big. People get skinny. They get wrinkles. Because the body change. The body wrinkle. The body overlaps. The body do a lot of crazy stuff. Get dents in it. That's why when people look at their body, they want to exercise to tone it up. Then it flab right back out. You get to an age. That's why, this is why famous people have these, um, suctions. See, everybody know about that. Y'all done had some suctions or something. That's why they have that. And, and then we fall for it. We fall for that identity. We look at all these people with these nice, nice shapes. Old as the heels. I mean, in their nine is looking younger than us. Come on, somebody. And we get jealous. Because we, how they doing that? Talk to their doctors. They don't show you too much once they get cut all to pieces and sold all up. They ain't going to show you that. They're going to wait until everything come back like it's supposed to be. And then they're going to get in a skimpy dress or a little bikini. And then show you how good they look, right? Because they got the money to do that. But your bodies change, people. Understand this. Your bodies do change. It does. But let me tell you something. When the glory of the Lord come upon that natural body, you will look younger than you should be looking. 
I remember I had the, um, the Mary exterminator man. I know my husband remembered this to come to the house and he was checking on something for us. And we was there talking and stuff. And my husband was standing there. He said, Amanda, you look the same. What are you doing? Jesus. I'm doing me some Jesus. So he just kept on talking. My husband said, yeah, like I wasn't even there. He acted just like I wasn't standing there. He, the, the conversation was mainly about you. I stand in Jesus. So that day, y'all, I had on my makeup, okay? So the next day he came to the house, I had to pay him. He was outside of the door, so I'm giving him the money. And he said, Amanda, I'm serious. You look good. What are you doing? I said, Jesus. So when my husband came home, I said, honey, I didn't even have on makeup. Now, y'all know that was some Jesus. So what am I saying to you? When the glory of the Lord come upon you, people see you in a different light. They don't see you the same. You don't have to put on all this stuff for people to see you. Because when you're in your word... When you're in the word of God, when you're in connection with him, no matter where you go, they're going to see him and not you. Y'all, this is true. So this is what Paul was talking about. Okay, you bound to your husband. Some people say, dang, dang. I'm bound to that man. Dang, deliver me now. This is your exodus. It says, for the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Do not kill that man. But if the husband be dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. Check this. Do not use this word to think you're going to kill him. It said, but if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. I bind that even, even over the world. I bind it in the name of Jesus. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall, call, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law. So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now check this. This is what Paul is making this. This is why he's saying what he's saying, dealing with a marriage. Check this, y'all. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. That you should be married to another, even to him who's raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. What is Paul saying? When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are dead to the law. Meaning that the law has, we don't have to do what the law is saying to get what we have from God. We don't have to perform to get healing. We don't have to perform to get deliverance. We don't have to do something to get something. Because see, dealing with the law here is once we accept Christ, Christ died for all of our sins. Once we accept him, we're not bound by no law no more. Just like he was using husband and wife. When that husband died, that wife died. We're not bound by that anymore. That's a law. That's a law, right? So then look at this verse here. For when we were in the flesh, in the flesh mean when we were not born again. When we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So when you were in the flesh, this is what happened. Remember back in Exodus when God got the laws through Moses 
And when God wrote those laws, they had to go by those laws. And the reason why they went by those laws is because they would see sin. It would make sin come alive. When God said, do not covet, that sin nature that was in them would rise up. It would be seen. See, it was in disguise. They didn't know anything about sin back then, y'all. They thought that was the right way to live. But when God brought on the law, what was hidden began to be revealed. So the thing that they, God told them not to do, they end up doing it even though they didn't want to do it. That's what was happening. So this is why it said the motions of sin. The motions of sin was coming through when the law was revealed. When the law came in on the scene, what was hidden began to rise up. So if you see somebody that's not born again, when you tell them not to do something, guess what? What's hidden in them is going to rise up and it's going to compel them to do even what they don't want to do because they're not in Christ. That's why he said once we're married to Jesus, we are not bound by the law no more. The law is dead. We're not bound by it. Anything that's dead, guess what? You're not bound by that no more. So that's what he was saying. And then he goes on to say, but now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held. That we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So being that the law, we're not bound by the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with it. I come to fulfill it. See, it was nobody that could fulfill the law. Nobody could keep the standards of God. By Jesus keeping all God's standards, guess what he got from God? He got eternal life. But in order for him to give us that eternal life, the death penalty had to be paid. The Bible said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He said, I have eternal life, but in order for you to receive that eternal life, it has to be paid for. A price has to be paid, which is death. So Jesus died for us to have eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. Y'all get it? If Jesus had never died, we wouldn't be able to have this eternal life. So see, you got to go through the word of God and understand what the word is saying. Because if the law is dead, we don't have to do nothing to get nothing from God. That means that we're living after the flesh. In the flesh is not born again. Living after the flesh is trying to, to perform what the flesh want us to perform outside of what Jesus done. Let me say it again. It's a lot. In the flesh means that you're not born again. He said when you were in the flesh, it was motions of sins that was in operation. Let me read this out of another translation. I'm switching over. Okay, verse 5 says, When your old nature was still active, sinful desires were at work within you, making you want to do whatever God said not to and producing sinful deeds, the rotten fruit of death. Y'all get it? Let me read it again. When your old nature, that's dealing with the flesh, we know that the old man died, was still active, sinful desires were at work within you. Making you want to do whatever God said not to do and producing sinful deeds, the rotten fruit of death. So sin produced death. And the enemy knows that. He's about death. He is not about life. 
So when you were in the flesh, you no longer in the flesh. I'm going to prove that to you when we go to Romans chapter 8. Why am I going over all of this? Because some of y'all are still in condemnation. And when you're in him, there is therefore no more condemnation. That means that your guilt and everything was put on Jesus. The enemy wants you to walk after the spirit. He wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel condemned of what you did yesteryears. But understand this. Now that you in Christ, he don't see you according to the flesh. He sees you according to who you are in the spirit in Christ. So you can't look at what you used to do. But when you do things, God knew we were going to mess up. From the pulpit down, it's not a person in this building And if you say you never mess up, liar, liar, your pants on, I see them on fire right now. We got to call the fire department because some of y'all think y'all so holy. You don't do nothing wrong. Even if you thinking wrong in your mind, you messed up. If your thinking ain't right, you not messed up with God. That's why God say, I'm going to fix this. He said, I know you cannot meet all these standards. So I'm going to put all of this on the one who can. He, God gave him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we can become the righteousness of God in him. There was a great exchange. He took on all of our sins and we took on his righteousness. That means I'm right because of him, not because of what I do today, tomorrow or forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that good? He said, I'm going to fix this. I know your past. I know your present. And I know your future. I'm going to kill it all. He said, because I know you're going to mess up in the future. Our problem is, saints, we putting on performance. We're trying to perform in the body of Christ, trying to get people to see us as being holy. When you're already holy, and when you know you're already holy in him, you can live a holy life without trying to pretend to be holy. You're trying to pretend. You're putting on faces. You come to church and you act like you never cuss. You never lie. Liar, liar, your pants on fight. If you tell a little lie, you done told it, but he already forgave you for it. And when you know he's forgave you for something, you turn from it. That's why he forgive you. He tell you to repent, to confess. Because God already forgave you for it. But you have to realize yourself, it ain't about me. It's about what Jesus done for me. When you know what he's done for you, you turn away from things that's coming at you. But guess what? You will trip and fall. All of us in here would do it. We gossip. Yeah. I gossip. But then when I find out I'm oh sicky sicky now. Holy Spirit reminded me of my righteousness. Shut up. Okay. Let me hang up now. Do that mean I'm 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 not gonna go back to it? No, it don't. It means it's gonna come back to me. But I got to turn from it. Do it mean that I ain't going to tell a little white one, a little white lie? White lie, black lie, blue lie, purple lie, whatever it is, it's a lie. 
Because we tell it. Um, can I borrow $100 from you? I ain't got it. Liar. Can I use your car? Oh, it ain't working right. Can I wear those shoes you had on? I don't have them no more. Can you watch my child while I go? Oh, no, I can't watch. I got to work today. Christian folk. Can you um, help me out in the kitchen today? Oh, no, I forgot. I got to go home right quick. Somebody just called. Hey, do you like what I, do you like this? Yeah, girl, that look nice. She shouldn't put that on no more. He forgave you for that. You don't have to put on performances, y'all. Only thing you need to do is receive what he's already done. This is what, this is, I'm talking about the flesh too. We're going to get into that more deeply, but we got to understand God's way and not our way. Our identity is in him. It's not in us. He's not looking for you to do something to be healed. He's already provided healing. He said, just receive what I have already provided to you. Connect with the spirit, the real you. And when you connect with the spirit by renewing your mind, a change come to your body and people begin to see you healed. But some of us don't believe in healing. I'm going to say it. Some Christians don't believe in healing as long as there's a hospital. If they shut down the hospital like they did during the storm, you believe in something or walk crooked. I'm just being honest. They got to shut down this stuff for us to really truly believe that there is a God. Let's just be honest. They got to shut down the eye doctors to believe you can really see. If they shut it down, we would trust God. Come on, let's be real. Let's be real. If they shut down all this stuff and said, we're not going to have none of this stuff upon the land, what are you going to do? Now you want to pile into the church. I believe God. His word is true. Please. Now you're believing because you don't have what you used to have. That's when we come in belief with God when they tell us you're going to die in two weeks. Now the Bible is all you see. Ain't nothing else we can do for you. Now you're ready to talk. Now you want to talk Jesus. Something's wrong. Everything else is going to pass away. But he said his word remains. That's why we can't wait to know him. We can't wait to something pop up to know him. We have to know him for who he really is. So when things pop up, we can stand still and we can see the salvation of the Lord. Will fear come? Yes, it will. But faith is supposed to overpower the fear. It's according to where we've been. And it's according to knowing who we are now that we're in him. And this is what Paul was letting them know. Know no man by the flesh. We cannot be known by the flesh, y'all. Because if you, it said walk according to the spirit and not after the flesh. So in order to do that, it's through the word. 
It's through the help of the Holy Spirit. And if you never get into the word, this is what I tell people. I can tell apostle all day long, I'm sorry, but never mean it from my heart. Talk to her all day long, laugh with her all day long, but my heart ain't right. See, there's a heart change that have to take place. We have a new heart in him because he's given us a new heart and new spirit, which come from him. But if you allow the world to come in and dictate to you opposite to what the word, the word of God is saying, your heart become hardened and everything that I'm saying to apostles bouncing off of her because she don't believe I'm really sorry. And inside my heart, no, I'm not really sorry because see, you never make a person do anything. People do stuff because they want to do it, not because they're made to do it. See, under the law, there was made to keep it. But when you truly want to do something, nobody has to make you do anything. You do it on your own accord. Have y'all not noticed when our children grow up, you can't make them do nothing. When they get of age... I remember when I used to pick out their clothes when they got of age. Uh, I don't, what's wrong with it? Mama, I don't want to wear that. You can't make them. Even if you spend good money, that's what's in. I don't like that. Okay. And the funny part is, you paying for it. But you still don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Now, you don't want them having stuff too tight. You know what I'm saying. But you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable because they're not identifying with who they really are. They're identifying with you. Y'all ever seen that Geico commercial where the man is trying to teach the, the people to quit identifying with their parents? That's truth. Everybody was trying to act like their parent. Don't we every now and then try to act like our parent or say what our parents say? You're identifying with your parents. But God is your parent. You have a new identity in him and everything he is in this world, so are we. As he is, so are we in this world. Everything that he has belonged to us. So we need to find out what he has and start operating according to the kingdom and not according to our flesh. We don't want to be ruled by the flesh. Let me give you another one that knew their identity. Go with me to St. John. The first chapter. Y'all, this is really, really a good teaching if you pay attention. It's going to help you out a lot to take off that mask and quit playing. You need to quit playing. You need to quit making people feel like you this, that, or the other, and you're nothing without him. Listen at what was said to John. I want y'all to catch this in St. John beginning at um, verse 20. It says, and he confessed and denied not, but, well, start at 19. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Are thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said, then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? Listen what he said. He said, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Guess who he identified with? The word and the spirit. 
He identified himself by the word and the spirit. He didn't go on who they called him to be. He was in the word of God and he knew who he was. So when you get into the word of God, you're going to know who you are in Christ. Your identity is not based on your parents. Your identity is not based on your grandparents. On the outside, you may look like them. You may try to act like them, but that's not who you are in the spirit. So as long as you identify and see, y'all don't understand this. It's your parents. It's your grandparents. Then it go back to their parents and it lead all the way back to Adam. It leads all the way back to Adam. Adam was the one that sinned that brought death upon the world and sin came through one man. But guess what happened? Jesus, one man, brought what? Eternal life to all by dying. So we want to identify to Jesus and not identify to Adam no more. So your identity is in Christ. So we always want people to see who we are in him by our characteristics, by the way we talk, by the way we act. And we don't want to put on that because we're around people. We want to live like that on a daily basis. And we can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Are we going to falter sometime? Yes, we are. But when we do, the Holy Spirit put us in check and then we repent of that. We repent to let the devil know, I know who I am. So I'm repenting. I'm having a change of mind because I know who I am now that I'm in Christ. So hold on to your identity in Christ. Do not live according to your old life, that old man. Behold, all things have become new. Where? In your spirit. You three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the real you. To get to know the real you is through the word of God. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your soul is have to be renewed according to the word of God so you can connect with the spirit and then the body will follow. Another scripture was Luke 24. They were on the road to uh, Emmaus. And on that road, they were talking about Jesus' death, burial, and his resurrection. Jesus showed up on that road. And they began to tell him about what happened and what went on like he didn't know. So Jesus, he began to talk to them from Moses unto the prophets concerning himself. And as he talked with them and walked with them, he began to sit down and eat with them. As Jesus ate with them and they began to break bread, that's when their eyes were open. In the beginning, their eyes were not open. The word of God is what gives you illumination. The word of God is what gives you light. You can be saved 20 years and your eyes are not open. Because you don't have no revelation. You don't have illumination of light. So when their eyes began to open, it began to open because they remember the breaking of bread. And this is what they said. I love this right here. Let me go to Luke 24. They said this in Luke 24. Verse 31, and their eyes was opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Their heart burned. See, when you are in the word of God and you connecting with the word, you connecting with Jesus, you connecting with Christ, you know, his life, your heart should burn within you. Your eyes should be illuminated. They should be open. And then they said, and they rose up the same hour 
And returned to Jerusalem and found the leaven gathered together and them that were with him, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and have appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. We get to know him through the word. We get to have an intimate relationship with him through the word. And the more we get in the word of God, the more he's made known and our eyes will begin to open. We will have revelation. We will have illumination. We will have light coming unto us to expel the darkness. And if you don't get into the word of God, if I talk to you or somebody else talk to you about what's going on in your life, you call us a liar. Because your heart has become so hardened, you don't see your pride. You don't see gossip. You don't see lies. You don't see offense. You don't see these things because your heart has been become hardened to the word of God. It has become sensitive to the world. So this is why we have to stay in the word of God. And if we stay in the word, we're walking after the spirit. A carnally minded man brings death. That's fleshly minded. That's of the five senses. A spiritual minded person brings life and brings peace. So we're going to go over some more next Sunday because guess what? All of it's going to come together and you're going to really find out how you've been living. If you've been living according to the law, you've been trying to still do it yourself. So that means you've been trying to, to perform, to get things done. But if you live according to the spirit, you know who you are now that you're in Christ. And the only thing you got to do is receive what he's already um, gotten for you and walk by faith and not by sight. Y'all, it's so good. That's how you receive your healing. When you know he's already provided healing for you, regardless of what your body is saying, you know you already heal. Because healing starts in the spirit. So you, when you begin to see yourself heal, you're going to see yourself walking. You're going to see yourself leaping. You're going to see yourself jumping. Remember the lame man? He was laying there. They sat him there at the temple. And they was um, putting him there for him to get alms. But when Peter and John... Um, come up they said look on us so that he he wanted him to pay attention to them because they had something he needed they say silver and gold we have none in acts chapter three but he said in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk but he says such as i have i give unto thee with your new identity you already have healing on the inside of you y'all we got healing in us healing is in you you don't have to wait on it you command what belongs to you. If healing is in you, you command your healing. You say, healing, I command you to come forth in Jesus' name. The word of God said by Jesus Christ, you already healed. He sent his word. He have healed you. He have delivered you from your destruction. Healing is the children's bread. Receive healing body right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not asking God for something I already have. It's already mine. Healing belong to me. Pain leave my body. That's what we say. We say Thomas and Gross leave in the name of Jesus. Cancer leave in the name of Jesus. Arthritis leave in the name of Jesus. Swelling leave in the name of Jesus. Sinus infections leave in Jesus name. Allergies leave in the name of Jesus. Every tissue, every organ, every cell, every gland, every vital sign, every muscle, every tendon, every bone, every joint. Line up right now to the word of God. You are the healed. Not going to be, but you healed right now in Jesus' name. 
And I don't have to check to see I'm healed. You got to know that you healed because he said he sent his word and he have healed you from your destruction. He have healed you from every sickness, every disease, every tumor, every growth, cancer, everything. He has healed you from it. In Jesus name, you got to receive. Come on. He's giving it to you. He said, just receive it right now by faith and hold on to it. Because God is not man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he shall repent. Have he not said it? Shall he not do it? Have he not spoken it? Shall he not make it good? It's written. It's not going to change. No matter how we change. It's not going to change. Do y'all remember it was a new covenant? It was an old covenant. The old covenant was with Ishmael. It was up under the law. Because Abraham did that on his own. He performed that on his own. God didn't have any. He did that on his own. That's why Sarah said, this old covenant can't stay with this new covenant. We can't have two covenants mixed together. You got to get rid of the old. So we can live according to the new. Until you, it's already dead. It's dead. But we're trying to bring the old back to life by performance. I got to do this to get God to do that. I got to pray and fast more. I got to speak in tongues more. I got to come to church more. I got to pay my tithes more. If I do more of this, God would do more of that. That's not how it works. Only thing we have to do is accept what God has already done. When you are trying to keep things going based on you, you under law. You're not under grace. When you're trying to pull more money to keep things, you up under law and not grace. And those things are going to be taken away from you because you're trying to do it instead of letting God do what he's already done. God said, let me hasten my word and perform it in your life. Let me hasten it. Let me perform it in your life. Quit trying to make your body heal. Quit trying to seek stuff to heal your body. He said, I am the healer. Nothing I can replace what I already done. Because guess what? Have anybody figured out when it comes to healing? Medications don't last. You got to refill them. Help me somebody. How many have to refill your medication? And you got to keep refilling it. But when the body get used to them refills, it backs off of refills and want a new prescription. Anybody know this? So you go in and you say, my body ain't reacting to this no more. It seems like it ain't working. You know what they're going to do? Up your dose. And then your body going to react to the updose. Either your hair going to fall out. Or you're going to feel weak in your body. Because your body can't take all of that. So now you got to go back and say my hair falling out. I'm feeling kind of weak when I'm taking it. I just don't feel right. Well let's see what else we can give you. And they keep giving. And giving. And giving until something ain't functioning no more. Am I telling you not to take your medicine? I did not say don't take your medicine. But what I am saying is. 
He said, my son, pay attention to my words. He said, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Oh, I like this. For they are health. Nope, for they are life unto all flesh. Wait a minute. I ain't going to screw that up. I ain't going to screw it up. Proverbs 4. We're going to get this right. I ain't screwing up that. Listen at this. For they are life unto all those that find them, and they are health to all flesh. That means that the word is medicine. Oh, my goodness. Did anybody know the word was medicine? Did anybody really know the word was medicine? If we really know the word is medicine, we overdose on it. We'll overdose. Every chance we get, we'll be taking it. Come on. We'll be, a, we'll be an addict when it comes to the word. People see you just wobbling. What's wrong with you? You own some. I'm just high. I'm high on the Holy Ghost. I just took an overdose today and I just can't. I, I'm just telling you, I feel good. I feel good, y'all, because I got high. When you get a good high on the Holy Ghost, on the word of God. People say something happened. It sure did in that room right there. And you come out high. This is his word. This is his word. We need to live by it for real. We need to live by it for real. We need to try the word more than we try and everything else. You know, I have... um. Seen how some people want things to change with their body so they take certain things for that change. And God created everything as being good. But when we're working on doing something ourselves instead of listening to the Holy Ghost, it's a job. So we have to ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do with this body? This body belongs to you. This is not my own. This is not my body. It's yours. So God, whatever I put in this body, it's affecting you. Because this is where you are. You're in me. So when we take the time to ask him instead of looking at what everybody else is doing, you might not can be able to do what everybody else is doing. Your body may not be made like everybody else's, so you can be killing your body by paying attention and asking everybody else and trying to get where they are. And the more you try to get where they are, it seems like they're getting more buffer than you and you still ain't done nothing. So you want to up your game because they up their game, but hey... Everybody ain't going to tell you everything they know. No, they're not. But the Holy Ghost will tell you what to do. And he'll tell you how to do it. Because I'm a living witness. Jeremy, when he was three years old, I took him to the pediatrician because he had a fever and seemed like they couldn't break the fever. So she said, try this, try this. So I went home and I said, Lord, you're his doctor. You're the great physician. I don't know what to do. I said, they keep telling me to alternate Tylenol and Motrin, but seem like it just keep coming back. What do you want me to do? And I sat there, and the Lord said, I want you to get some bark off of that pine tree. I said, okay. And he said, I want you to boil it in some water. I took it. I boiled it. He said, now when it cool off, I just want you to rub it all over his body. I was crazy for him. Now, if I had told somebody that, they would have said, you better not put that on his body. But I ain't tell nobody. I did what the Holy Ghost told me to do. And I'm here to tell you the fever broke. Simple stuff. 
Why? Because I trusted him. I trusted him because I know he's God. So I had to wait on him. And, I, and it's just like Abraham. Abraham gave his only begotten son. He said, I know if you kill him, you got to bring him back because you told me this was my promise. This was my seed. So Abraham trusted God more than he trusted anything or anyone. When are we going to get to the point, y'all, of leaving everybody out the picture except God? When are we going to get to the point to say, God, you said it. I believe it. It's so. God, you said it. I believe it. It's so. But do not go out there and try to make something so when you've never been in the word. Don't you come off no medication and say, Apostle Miller told me I can put down. That's a lie. See, you done told a lie. You told a flat out lie. If you're not where you need to be in the word, you better take something. If you ain't been with God, if you ain't been meditating on this word, you better take something. But when you get in here and you begin to trust him, oh, God, take you from glory to glory to oh. Let me say this. And some of you that's on medication. You ain't even doing what the doctor telling you anyway. You're taking high blood pressure pills, eating every kind of pork chop, pig feet, everything you want to eat. And then you pop a pill after you eat it and say, thank you, Jesus. And then you're trying to go back to the doctor for them to fix you and ain't telling them the truth. Popping all the blood pressure pills and still eating like you don't supposed to be eating. They tell you what not to do. Yes, sir. Then you go home and do the opposite. And then when you can't move, Jesus. You got to obey somebody. If they telling you what to do, obey what they telling you. And quit going back line. Did you go on a diet like I had? Mm-hmm. I went on a seafood diet. Tell the truth. Nobody can't help you with your line. And then you go in there and try to drink a lot of water to, to take everything out of you so you show them you lost one pound. Or you know it's a week before the appointment so you try to starve yourself and then after the appointment you eat like a hog. That's manipulation. That's witchcraft. And you wonder why you're still in the same place you're in? Just trying to help. And I'm going to let Apostle come up here and share with y'all about her trust in God. Dealing with health. Come on, Apostle. And while she's getting the mic, Kathy know this story. One lady come in the line and God, we prayed for and told her what she don't need to be doing because she had very high blood pressure. Right, Evangelist? So we prayed for her, and she went on about her way and everything. So the following Sunday, she got right back in the line. I politely asked her, what did I ask her, Kat? <laughs> What's the point? If she ain't being obedient, I'm sweating over her. He come out. And then she's gonna go home and put it back in. Just go sit down. Some people say, How could you do that? How could you not? 
about, um, yeah. But you, you just tell what the Lord leads okay. you to tell. Okay. Well, I've been trusting God for years. Um, before I came, moved to Burgoff. Well, did I say Burgoff? I'm sorry. North Carolina. But I'm going to be down here real soon. <laughs> yeah. Real soon, sooner than you think. Anyway, um, it's been a transition. It's been a, a progress for me in trusting God with my health and everything. Before I moved to North Carolina, um, I had a stroke. I had double vision. I was wearing a patch on my eye. I had extremely high blood pressure on like uh, two blood pressure pills. I was taking insulin. I was taking metformin. Um, I have collapsed uh, disc in my back. I shouldn't even be walking and spinal stenosis. This is what they said. When the doctor looked at my x-ray, he said, I don't even know how you're walking. I said, I know Jesus. That's how I'm walking. And so God has been with me all the way. And I remember I had gotten so disgusted and tired of taking medication all the time. I mean, I had it lined up. I think at the end of the day, week, I was taking like 25 pills. Now, if you think about that over the course of a month, that's 100 pills a month I was putting in my body. That's way too much. So anyway, you know, I told the Lord, I said, God, if you can't heal me, nobody can. Because I'm done with this foolishness. You know, they, they told me I had MS. You know, you're going to be staggering and walking and tripping. I was like, not me. And when I refused to take um, the diabetes pills and things like that, the doctor told me, your toes going to fall off. And I told her, your toes going to fall off. How about them apples? My toe, I'm keeping mine. But I refuse to let somebody in authority speak over me and cause things to begin to happen in my body because I knew I was trusting God. So before I moved down here, I just threw everything in the garbage. And I'm not saying you do that. But I told the Lord, I said, God, if you can't heal me, I can't be done. I'm out of here. But I did have to make some adjustments to what I ate, you know, Get up off the carbs, get up off the, you know, sweets and all that extra stuff that's not good for my body. It may be good for yours, but it wasn't good for mine because it was doing great damage. So I had to make some life adjustments, but I refused to not believe the word of God. Do I go through challenges? Yes, I do. But I still have to stand on what God said. His word is true. So when I'm going through, it's by your stripes, I'm healed. I remember one time I had to preach a three-day revival in apex Mm -hmm. and when i got dressed and i was on my way out the door all of a sudden dizziness hit me and i could barely move i couldn't even hardly stand up i said devil you is a liar now i gotta drive myself now i couldn't i couldn't hardly stand up but i made it to the car and i said i said god you are my healer you are my deliverer I'm going to deliver this word you gave me. So what I want to say is whatever the word says is true. But it's, going to, it's a process sometimes to get to that point because, you know, if you have allowed yourself to abuse your body over years, That's it right. takes a moment to heal sometimes. Right. Now, God can do it instantly if he wants to. But just like we walk through them whole years, like you said, all that pig feet and pork chops and stuff, God will walk you through your healing process. He will. But we have to trust him. We have to believe that he is. What's that scripture, Pastor? You got to believe that he is. If you're going to believe it, believe it. Mm -hmm. If not, then do what you got to do. 
But I just want to encourage everybody to know that God is our source. He's our healer. He's our redeemer. There's nothing that God can't do. I've tried God so many times. I said, God, you know. You know. You know about me. You know I've been trusting you. I remember the first time I came, when I moved down here and we came to church, I walked through that door, and just before I walked through the door, I took the patch off of my eye. I still kind of had a little blurry double vision, but I said, I refuse to wear this anymore. And when I left the church, the double vision was gone. Now, when I went to the doctor, he said, you've, you had a stroke in your eyes, and I've never seen anything like this. And he had to be in his 70s. But God, but God did that. Amen. And I want to say with, um, with Apostle, I remember when she was going through. And I mean, um, someone had called me because her head was hurting so, so bad. And they couldn't find anything. Yeah, I went to the, I was at the hospital like five times in a week. It felt like somebody took an anvil and it was on my head. And it was just like crazy. I mean, they gave me Dilaudid, if you know how strong that is. They gave me, I don't know what else that stuff was. It was something. Anyway, it was real, real powerful. But nothing touched that headache. It was a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. And when I finally got it, I stopped going to the hospital and said, God, you know, this is a spiritual thing. So I had to begin to address Mm -hmm. everything that was going on in my life. Don't you know that stuff will make you sick? It will. And you'll think it's your body, but it's the stuff. Somebody need to hear that. It's the stuff all around you, all around me that was making me sick. And I can't go into everything, but it was just so much going on through family, friends, aints, and all of that stuff that it was making me ill. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it was physical, but it was a spiritual thing. And when I began to clear my borders, that's a whole nother testimony. I'm going to leave it right there. And I'm going to tell you something. When you have somebody going through and hurting like that, I said, Lord, what is it? What's going on? And he told me, he said, tell her the word is what it's going to take. Get into the word. Get into the word. Get into the word. And when she got into that word and the word got into her, look at God. And don't, I'm telling you, if you're not in that place, understand this. If you're not in that place and you're not in the word of God, Do not do that because you're not in the place to do that. The more time you spend with God, it becomes normal. You don't have to try to do something to get something. It's just your way of living. That's all. It's me again. You know, I know God is good. I just really, really know it. But you know, trouble going to come. Regardless of what we say or think, trouble is going to come. And you know what? Trouble makes you stronger. You won't never get strong if you don't have some trouble. People say, you're supposed to live on this earth, and when you get saved, that's all lotted out. That's a lie, people. You're going to have trouble. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the word told us that. So you're going to have trials and tribulations. I know I have. God knows I've been through something. I just ain't told it. See, everybody goes through something, but different people handle it different ways. And a lot of it is God's mercy. Old mercy truck pulls up and saves us. Because 
we can't do everything and nothing by ourselves. I found out that. This ain't no overnight thing. Every day, every day, you're supposed to get closer and closer to him. Sometimes trouble draws you. My daddy used to say, and I always say it myself, the word will draw you or drive you. I'm telling you that right now. Do it mean if you do a certain thing, you don't have faith? Faith ain't all. Faith and works go together. You can say, I have all kind of faith and no works. You ain't getting nowhere. Faith and work works together. And we're getting back to what my daughter said, the pastor there, about the pine bark on the trees. How she rubbed Jeremy in it. Yes, I believe it. You know why? I seen the time my mama would rub us down and stuff. Some of you don't know what a polis is in here. I know you don't. Put them onions, mustard, all that stuff, and and, and liniment. Put your polis on at night. Chest be hurting so bad. Wake up in the morning, you're stinking like I don't know what now. <laughs> Nobody ain't wanting you in the bed with them. They don't come in that room. But you had the bed. But the next day, you got all right. Mm-hmm. But now, a lot of young people couldn't go through that now. You couldn't. You just fall right out. <laughs> you just fall right out. You couldn't go through that because you don't believe in it. Back then, it wasn't no doctors, a whole lot of dollars. And it wasn't a whole lot of money either. Because if you had a doctor, you ain't had no money. <laughs> you had to believe something, you put them polices on. That's, I thank God for them old people. I call them old, old people. Now, I done got them age now. I ain't dead yet. But I thank God for them. Look how they made it. Think about it. Would y'all make it now? TV sitting over there, you can cut it on way over here. Cause that talks to you. Could you make it now? That's what you got to ask yourself. Could I make it now back then where them old people go? That's the reason right now I respect older people. I'm up there now. I ain't in the hundreds yet, but I tell you, I'm working toward it. Could you do it now, you younger people? Huh? I've been through it. Think about my mom, my daddy, my aunts, and all those people. What in the world and how the world they do it? A lot of them call it mother wit. I didn't know what no mother wit was back then. It was good common sense. That's what it was. So now we got so off course now to it ain't nothing the mercy of God now. People don't believe nothing. In the church, out of the church, they don't believe nothing. But God will take care of you. You know why? Then the 23rd song, he says, mercy and goodness will follow you all the days of your life. I know people look at somebody that's old, 100 years old. He must have been a good person, worst person that ever was. I know him right now. Some living right now. But the thing of it is, his mercy wasn't all about faith. I know some of them old people right now will curse you out quick. 
Drunk them a drink of corn liquor in the morning time and a drink in the evening time. You better go ahead and do that, boy. That'll, that'll keep your blood thin. That's all the kind of stuff they had back then. I couldn't understand that. But I drunk enough up myself whether the blood was thin or not. You see, God kept me. Didn't have common sense. Things that my mama told me. Mom, you know what you're talking about, Mom, in a way of speaking. Didn't know she was trying to help me. My daddy, too. Now look at the children now. You can't tell them nothing because they got a book there about that big. Got PhD or whatever, like my daughter said on it. That's all they believe. That ain't going to get you nowhere. You think it is, but it ain't. Doctor so-and-so in the ministry got it all messed up. I'm a bishop, so you got to die just like me. I got two, three million dollars. See, don't they bury you. You might want to come to the truth with this stuff. Our troubles helps us. God knows it helped me because I was just a wild as a buck one time. I was in my 20s and 30s. Man, you couldn't tell me nothing. Went out in the port. They had flat cars, real cars that were flat. Somebody don't even know what they are. I first started down there about that high to get up on. I was one of them flat cars. I jump up there like it wasn't nothing. Now if I get ready to get up on one, I don't have to now. But if I got up on one now, you had to get me a ladder. And then I ain't going on no ladder right now. See, you have to be careful. As you, as you grow and you age, you have to be careful. That's what's wrong with a lot of us. Get a certain age, I'm, I feel like I'm 16. Well, try it then, you see. <laughs> That's all you got to do, just try it. I'm going to sit down now, but a guy from Rocky Point, he's dead and gone. I loved him. He worked with me for years. And he would, sometimes he walked me, walked real careful. I said, man, come on, come over there. I was a young guy. Come over there, get on out, get on out of the way. He said, son, just keep on living, you'll find out. That's all we got to do. Keep on living. But live in Christ. He gone, yes. He's, he's done gone out, out of this world. I'm still here. But I remember what he said. See, a lot of people don't remember nothing. Oh, as long as you got a plenty, you got plenty of food, you got cars, you got nice homes, everything. You don't remember nothing. You say you do, but you don't. But get where you ain't gotten it. My hot water heater went out. Let me tell this right quick. My hot water heater went out last year, last last week, excuse me. Uh, so I'm, this, I'm in this association where anything, lets you go out in your house, anything, they come fix it. Don't cost you nothing. And so I told my daughter about it. She didn't join it. Told another one, a, a baby daughter about it. No, she said, yeah, I might get it. But anyway, I'm talking about myself now. The guy, I called him up, and I said, look, my hot water here is gone. Well, Mr. Walker, you're going to need $133. I said, do I pay the technician when they get there or what? No, you pay it now. Ain't nobody looking at no hot water here now. She can't look through that phone. That's, I paid her on the phone. Here come the technician. Got out there. I just thought they were going to have to put the assembly in there. You know, you put, I got one of them 80-gallon things sitting up in my house. I'm scared of it anyway. Anyway, 
I thought he could just put that assembly in it, you'd be done with it. So he got out there, looked all around it. With his, when he got out of his truck, he had a pad and a pencil and, and, a, and, a, and a computer. I said, now he can't fix my water heater with that. <laughs> so, so, so he come in and he start marking. I said, man, that's where the water leaking up right there, that top thing there. Nah, it's leaking everywhere else. I said, I don't see it with my hot water. He was wrapped. They insulated my house about three, four years ago, and it wrapped all up. You couldn't see a leak. But, you know, he was right. I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going out here in the hard well. I'm going to get me an assembly and put it in there myself and cancel that, ins- that mess I got on my house. Cost me $70 a month. I go out and I get the part. Come back. The spirit said, take that, cut that insulation all the way down. I cut it all the way down. Glory to God, they go a worse elite than the top down there. <laughs> I said, oh my God. So, so anyway, uh, he's supposed to come back Monday, this coming Monday. <laughs> Listen now, sometimes you'll be free to rock in a hard place. Y'all can laugh if you want them. Sometimes you lose money. You have to lose money to learn some sense. So I stripped all of it off. He said, uh, Mr. Walker, now one man put that big heat in there. He's dead and gone now, but he put it in there. Mr. Walker said, you got to take everything out of him. I said, oh, God. I got a deep freeze in there just full of food. You can get in it. You can't get nothing else in it. Then I got a wardrobe in there. Plus a washing dryer. So I got this guy. I was aggravated. I said, look here. Will you help me get this deep freeze out of here? He said, yeah. I said, I'll pay you good. So he bought him and his son over there. some strong people. God knows. They got all that stuff out of there. He said, what you want to do with your food, Ski? I said, take the food and freezer too. I ain't putting none of that back in there, be aggravated. Take it all. <laughs> so they took it all out, and I gave him $100, and the food, and I, he had $2,000 of food. I had ham in there. Y'all talking about the ham. Had fish in there, I had steaks in there, pork chop, everything. I said, take it all, just clear this room. <laughs> so he did it. And uh, so he took the washer and dry out, set it out. But there's the big old... Uh, water rope. I said, I'd get that out last. He said, I'll come back and help me without that ski boy. I'll do that. So yesterday, he's supposed to come back yesterday evening. He was on another job. And do you know, I was sitting up in the house waiting on him. And the spirit said, you can take that thing out. That big old washing machine. Uh, not the washing machine, but the water rope. My wife had a lot of clothes. And that first time I've been in there, really, man, she had some bad clothes. I thought I had to get away all her clothes. She had bags, suits, and everything that's with the tags on them. And shoes, brand new shoes. I said, Lord, I hate to get rid of this stuff. But I got a bag and put all that stuff in it. Put it all in it. I said, well, I'm waiting on this guy. So I said, I ain't waiting on him. I got up. I said, I'm going to get this thing out of here. Well, now, I, I tell you, in my younger days, I could pick up 200 pounds, 300. I wasn't lifting no weight back there. We had to work back there. I would help my dad in the pork wood and all that. We were strong. I went there and got that, that uh, thing and reached up there and took it like that, pulled it to me, put me a towel on it, one of the thick towels I got, 
drug her to the door. Got right to the door. And the old devil said, now how you going to get it down them steps? <laughs> I said, I'm going to get it down there. Kept my hand on the top and it eased it down like that and let it slide around. I didn't care if it tore up. <laughs> I, I didn't care if it tore up. Tyler. My daughter, my daughter tell me, Daddy, you ought to do this. You ought to give it, give this. I said, I'm tired of it. I just throwed it out of there. And that's just out now. Everything's clear now, so I'm waiting on tomorrow morning. And it'll be, and that song said, it'll soon be over after a while. <laughs> so, so it, it's with everybody, you know. Everybody's going through. Some just different. Mine was different. That, that was just in, that was nothing what I've been through for sickness and in my home and stuff like that. And a, and a lot of people ask me, say, Skeet, how you take it like that? I said, the more you go through, the stronger you get. It's like lifting weights. I used to lift them a long time ago. The longer you lift them, the stronger you get. But better keep lifting them. When you start getting my age, you better start easing off a little bit at a time. Or your bones will be dry rotted. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. I used to be a weight lifter, buddy. But anyway, God is good all the time. I clear to God he is. I think about my sister, uh, Shirley. She holds on. She don't let nothing bother her too much. She holds on, even though she had been through a different little aggravating stuff. But you know what? That's what we got to do. You actually can't pin no man now. Look at how things are. This COVID-19 has upset everything. Might not believe it, but it has upset everything. It upset the church building. I ain't going to say the church. People, that's my church there. Know your church supposed to be in you. That's your building. You It's a pretty building. But you know one thing, the way things is going, I know God will change anything. Prayer changes anything. God changes you. People have gotten out the churches now. Might not come back. Because online. Pay online, do this online. And online and all this cyber stuff that we got going on now is just killing us. Don't speak like that. I'm speaking it. Cause it's, you tell you one thing, to tell you one thing, then somebody come along and tell you another. Keep you confused. It's like she said. It'll keep you confused. You don't know what to think. But I'll tell you what to think. Get in the Word and ask God to give you the revelation of that Word. I don't understand it. Yes, you will stay in it. A lot of the, uh, uh, the Word right now through people is mixed. A lot of people is mixing the Word. Once you understand it, you'll live better. You'll feel freer. Some ministers will tell you, you got to stand on your head about 10 minutes in church every Sunday. I'm just that's a figure of speech now. You're going to stand on your head. You, when you get off of it and go out, you got a headache. So you're mixed up. Read the word and let God bring it to you. I thank you for y'all listening at me, but it's the gospel truth. <laughs> it's the gospel truth. That's the nearest, that's the nearest I can tell you. It's the gospel truth. But people now, good God, I reckon. I used to have, uh, I used to have a lot of confidence in my TBN. A lot of confidence. I look at them jokers, boy. But old Trump went out of office. God knows all of them went to almost cursing. They was cursing. <laughs> <laughs> that sure was. 
I promise I won't talk as long as he talks. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, God is so good. God is good. He's our protector. He is our healer. And I just have to tell this. Um, Sheikah has a little seven-pound poodle, and I have a poodle. And so I was walking them, and before I could get out of my driveway, a pit bull came from nowhere. I never seen the pit bull until he had Prince, the little seven-pound poodle, by the neck in his mouth. And in the process, I had nothing in my hand, didn't, didn't see it coming. Prince was barking, but he sensed him or saw him. So I couldn't do nothing but just hit him with my hand, and that was nothing. In the process of him shaking Prince up and chewing him up, he pushed me on the pavement, and I fell backwards and hit my head. All I could do was look over there and scream and see him shaking Prince shaking him as he had him in his mouth up in the air and bleeding. He cut Prince. He tried to decapitate him. His neck all the way around and grabbed him in his trachea, punched his trachea, all down his shoulder. They had to put in a, a line. Um, when they put the line in, that, that I took him to the trauma center, the hospital. They put in the line. Everybody thought that he was dead. Everybody on the cul-de-sac down there was out in the street. They thought it was dead, and they knew how much we loved the dogs, and they were there. And so as they looked on and saw Prince laying there, I just knew he was dead, too, because he looked lifeless laying over there. And the EMT picked him up and said, he, he's still, I can feel a little heartbeat. He said, you need to go now. Let's go right now. So when we got to um, the trauma center, they looked at him, and uh, they immediately took him back there. And they said, I can't promise you anything, which I, I knew they couldn't promise anything. But I called. <laughs> I called our apostle, and I said, I told him what happened. And I don't know how the word got out, but I knew Kim knew. And they began to pray as others was beginning to pray. He looked like death itself. I, you know, he just looked dead. When we got him out there and they took him in the back, they said, I can't promise you anything. I, I just don't know. You know, it's, it, the pit bull really did a job on him. And so as we begin to pray, we begin to see progress. You know, it was just so amazing. But the dog, after he finished with Prince, he came and stood over me, looking at me. I couldn't get up. My neighbor's. Uh, the guy across the street ran over there and helped me get up. But he stood there looking at me until he got there. God will protect you Amen. when you can't protect yourself. The dog didn't touch me. He, he could have just slid my throat. Nevertheless, the hospital said, we don't know, you know, you know we just don't know yet how, how it's going to go. So they proceeded to do what they did. And we just kept praying, and we kept praying, and I kept giving updates. And I want you to know they're ready to discharge a dog. That was last Saturday. They're ready to discharge a dog. They were saying the other day they're going to have to call in a surgeon because he had that drain, and it kept draining, and they had him on this powerful medication because he was ripped. I mean, it was just, the meat was just laying open. They had, it was, he had bit, took muscle out of his shoulder. They had to take his leg and put muscle 
this all over his body. He was just so chewed up. And, um, but God, God did it. God did it. Amen. The dog is doing good. They give us an update every day. The dog is doing good. And, you know, the people on the cul-de-sac say the miracle dog, he's a miracle. Mm-hmm. The dog was dead. He had no life in him. They thought he didn't. We all thought he didn't. Mm-hmm. But it was a miracle dog. And the people at the trauma center, they say, he's the trooper. <laughs> he's the trooper. Mm-hmm. When he came in here, say he was terrible. I said, you don't have to tell me. I know he was horrible, you know. But God can do anything. Amen. He protect me. And the dog is still living and about Amen. to come home. Amen. God is good. Look at God. Look at God. Amen. Amen. Um, Renee, do you have something with the announcement so we can go ahead and close? 